You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, and I'm not joined by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John is currently out today celebrating his wife's birthday, so happy birthday to Terry Dixon. In for John Dixon, we have the guy who's usually behind this virtual glass. It's the Arrowhead Pride audio producer, Steven Serta. Steve, how does it feel to be an honorary editor today? Uh, it feels pretty good. I mean, you're catching me at a great spot to be a, a fill-in host on the editor show because I am glowing. I'm vibrant today. I'm yes. fresh off vacation. This is my first day back. And yes. this is the very first thing that I'm recording since I've been back. So I'm not worn out at all. Uh, I've got a ton of energy. I'm well rested. You're getting the best version of Steve today filling in for John. For those that don't realize this, Steve, as he said, was down in New Orleans. As You know, you just mentioned that. But Steve shut his phone off. So yesterday, I mean, he was coming out from under his rock. He just learned yesterday that Melvin Ingram is a dolphin. You got back uh, in touch with some of the news on these Chiefs draft picks. Was it was it good to shut down the NFL for a few days, Steve? Yes, I highly recommend when you go on vacation that you do that. <laughs> I deleted all social media apps. I did shut my phone off a lot. Yes. I was just totally off the grid. And I think that for my mental health, it's a very healthy thing to do. I recommend everyone do it. And I spent a lot of time getting caught up yesterday. So I'm caught up, good to go. I know what's going on in the NFL. And I took a few days away and nothing, uh, nothing burned down because of it. That's right. Good for you, Steve. Get your R&R as you can, because as we know, once August hits, we are in for the long haul. On this show, we will go over some of the Chiefs news. I think it'll be a little bit of a shorter show than we usually do with John. We'll hit the poll of the day in the second segment. There is a a few things to talk about uh, coming from the week. Before we get into that, of course, if you like the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, leave us a rating and a review on apple itunes we really appreciate when you leave five stars and steve we have two five star reviews in this week which is always a good thing let's start with g pinsky the great british chief show is wonderful beyond the obvious novelty of listening to englishmen displaying their passion for the chiefs this podcast provides some of the most cogent and insightful commentary anywhere about the Chiefs and an engagingly lighthearted style. I've been a Chiefs fan for more than 50 years, have regularly attended home games for 30 years and a season ticket holder for the last 20. I've listened to most of the network analysts, follow some podcasts, AP more than most, but after consuming all that, I consider listening to Tom and Brad as the great dessert to the meal 
even when the other courses disappoint. A little backhanded there from G. Pinsky. That's okay. He continues. <laughs> they have a deep command of both current and past NFL information and always seem to provide some insight that others have missed. Their style is light and funny and gives me the feel that I'm at an Arrowhead tailgate party talking to friends. That said, when they make it to KC next for a game, I would love to host them at our tailgate and provide whatever local travel assistance they might need. I also have two tickets with their names on them. So congrats to Tom and Brad for making such an impression that if they can make it over the pond, as they say, Steve, it looks like everything is going to be paid for by G Pinsky when it comes to them attending a Chiefs game here. Yeah, is that like an offer to stay with him too? Uh, it sounds like this is just a free trip. Like you, they just got to buy a plane ticket. And you got them covered on their entire trip to KC. No, I think it's just local travel. I think he <laughs> he put in local for a reason. It sounds like they'd be welcome on a bus of some sort, which I think they would happily take if they could just get over here. I know that Tom and Brad eventually want you. I I think they were a little disappointed that the Chiefs lost out on what was an overseas game, but who knows? We might see them sooner rather than later. Uh, let's go to the second review. Another five-star review from KAL3162. I enjoy all the shows, but I enjoy the AP editor show the most. Pete and John, you do a great job. I love the way John pronounces George Karloftis' name. JD is a boomer like I am. <laughs> uh, the chief draft was a success by analytics standards, but am I wrong? that it also seems to address defending Josh Allen and the Bills as well. Good luck, Josh, in extending plays with your feet against the likes of George, Leo, and Brian. He's referring to Leo Chanel and Brian Cook. Josh may be relegated to a future similar to Cam Newton. Your thoughts? Well, I think last year the theme of the offseason was certainly about protecting Patrick Mahomes, and they got that done. The offensive line rebuild feels like it's almost complete. We do need to see what happens with Orlando Brown Jr. We are wondering who's going to win the right tackle battle, but the interior is really good and locked in, and it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough just to protect Pat, so what they had to do was retool the defense, and that's why I think you saw the Chiefs select seven defensive players and two on night one. I mean, that to me is the biggest thing because we went into the draft thinking, well, the Chiefs really need to replace Tyree Kill this time around. They're definitely going to select a wide receiver in round one. And what became more important, and there's other things like how the draft board falls and such, but what became more important was the defense, it not being good enough, you needing to inject some youth in the defense. And I, I think they were really happy. Well, you knew that they were happy jumping in front of the Bills. We'll get to Trent McDuffie. Uh, but I think to even to get George Karloftis, if you watch that call to Karloftis from Steve Spagnolo, Spags is, we've talked about it on the show before, but Spags is really excited to have landed Karloftis. So I, I do feel the Chiefs feel that they got two day one contributors and then you saw them take five more defensive players as the rest of the draft went on. So I think there's something to that. I think the Chiefs probably have identified, and I'm not calling them better like some people this week, but they've identified that Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow can play with Pat. So we got to make sure the defense is on point as well. Yeah, I don't know if it was just about trying to defend Josh Allen as much as it was just looking at the landscape of the AFC right now and just knowing like, 
And then, and I know you guys talked about the schedule release while I was out of town. And as, as I was getting caught up yesterday, that first eight weeks of the season is absolutely insane for the Kansas city chiefs. So yeah. having the youth investing in the defense, I, I think was a necessity that they kind of saw coming. And so it, I think it was a huge step in the right direction for them. They got younger there, they got cheaper there, and they've got an infusion of young playmakers that can hopefully keep up with this loaded AFC. I think a couple of years ago when there were two buys, you had Patrick Mahomes. The AFC, when it came to quarterbacks, didn't feel as loaded. Certainly the division was far worse off because of all the quarterbacks everywhere. And I'm talking you know, with, with Phil Rivers still being in San Diego slash L.A., and now as the years have gone on, the the gap has been shortened uh, and it's smaller. And when the gap is smaller, you could have to win some games on the defensive side of the football because I, I do think that there are a lot of offenses in the AFC that could play with the Chiefs now. It just wasn't the case a few years back. And what's made it harder is the one bye. That's huge. So you have the toughest schedule. If you are reasonably going to be in the mix for that single bye week which we've over the years have seen is a grand advantage to getting to and winning the Super Bowl even more so now I expect as the years go on with this one bye uh, and it doesn't go to teams like the Tennessee Titans but it's just such a major advantage when it comes to the postseason and and I've talked about the bye week already on the reaction to the schedule Chiefs are playing a lot of games in a row uh, before what would be, you know, that Super Bowl bye week, and which is their goal, right? So we can talk about that without feeling like we're jinxing it. Uh, so getting a, a break to rest and relax and get get the bodies right before would be a postseason push after the toughest schedule in the NFL is just it's critical. And I, I do think you saw Brett Veach lean into the defensive side of the football this offseason to get it on par with the offense, and we'll see if that translates to the field. It was a good draft. I think we've all been pretty pleased with the offseason, but you just never know until we get to the actual training camp, preseason, and the games. And every day that gets a little bit closer. All right, Steve, let's get to the news from this week. And we'll actually start with some news that that broke today. James Bradbury, who was on the New York Giants cornerback, was set to make $13.5 million. Became clear that the Giants were going to move on from him. They needed the cap space. And eventually, when there were no trade suitors for him, he was released last week. Suddenly, we thought, okay, well, maybe the, the Chiefs could get involved. They could use another veteran, even though they it feels like they've added a million defensive backs this offseason. But instead, he signs with the Philadelphia Eagles. And as we're looking into this and the contract, it's a $10 million one-year deal. This will allow Bradbury to hit the open market at the beginning of Next year's offseason, something he wasn't afforded this offseason with the Giants holding on to him. And even though it says $10 million, the consensus at the time of this recording, we're recording about 1130 on Wednesday. At the time of this recording, it's thought that the cap hit is going to be between two and a half million and three million, three point two million dollars. The Giants are going to be paying. Uh, cap hit wise more than the Eagles, which has to drive them bananas. Think about if the Chiefs were paying uh, more of a cap hit for a Denver Bronco, that would be about the same thing. The cap hit is small, and the thought process among the Eagles writers and the salary cap writers is that there are dummy years built into this. And we've talked about it, I've talked about it with John on this show before. The Chiefs just don't like the dummy years 
they don't like these invisible years of cap that's going to nothing that lasts with you, especially when you're you're paying Patrick Mahomes half a billion dollars. So that I, I don't want to say for sure, but that seems like it's just not something they're going to do. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's a Chiefs or Brett Veach strategy. So that didn't become an option for them. I don't think that they were willing to pay $10 million against the cap when there's only $11.4 million free. So, you know, you're looking for the bright side here. If you wanted to see Bradbury on the Chiefs, at least he's out of the AFC, uh, didn't come to an AFC team, stays in the NFC, so he's not going to hurt you there. And I think it's betting even more so on the youth movement, McDuffie and and Legereus Sneed and Rashad Fenton and a lot of these lesser-known players and draft picks that you're going to have six guys that you really feel good about. Yeah, and I, I think it's just really important to remember in the Brett Veach era as a general manager where the Chiefs have been really cap-conscious. Like you know, He talked about last week that they knew their offensive line w- was getting old and, and they had to move on. Like they, they've been really smart about not investing in, in older veteran players. And we saw it with Tyron Matthew. Like I, I think that they just, there was a point in this off season where maybe they considered, let's just retool with some veterans, bring those guys in. And then once it turned to, okay, we're moving on from Tyree kill. We're getting younger. Now we, we got to invest in, in the youth and see what we got in these draft picks, see what we can accomplish there. It just became, we're not really that interested in these aging veteran players because we might need a little bit more time to develop these young guys now and see what we have there as opposed to having a super bowl ready roster, which makes it a lot more likely that you're going to sign the Melvin Ingrams, the James Bradberries, And so when a trade didn't happen with that, while I would have still liked to see James Bradbury land with the Kansas City Chiefs, I think he's still a good player. I think he's still a good veteran cornerback. I just don't think the Chiefs, when it came down to it, were actually that interested in it because they drafted so many defensive backs. And I think they've got a lot of faith in Rashad Fenton and Legarius Sneed, so they want to see what they have in those guys, and I don't really blame them for it. Well, the timeline on this was the Chiefs had interest. Then it came out that they didn't have interest in trading for him because they didn't want the $13 million cap hit. Nobody did. And then once he became available again, we were just sort of wondering aloud. Again, I, I don't think the Chiefs want to build in these dummy years. And so you would have had to devote what we'd guess between $8 million and $10 million against the cap for this year. And they don't have enough money. I mean, the, the, there's too much money that's tied up right now. Uh, and, and also, you wonder if, like, let's say a scenario where Orlando Brown had an agent and that had been figured out and there was more money available, maybe they go and do it. I, I think you'd be wrong to say that James Bradbury wouldn't have been among the top three cornerbacks, but the, the Chiefs are betting on the, I think, sheer quantity of defensive backs that they're going to have in training camp. And when you have a, a lot of these guys, you can see what works and it's going to be for cheap and, and you save money here. And, and I also think, and I think it's fair to say there's a world where even without Bradbury, this room would be better than, than with him as well. So either way, I mean, I, I can see the, the logic behind what the chiefs are doing with the situation. Uh, and I think the chiefs are banking on, you know, we talked about headed into the draft, how, Veach just doesn't invest high draft equity in cornerbacks. And then he just did it. And so I, I think there is a, a thought process there with, with Spag saying like, 
well, you know, I've always just gotten it done. Charvarius Ward, Legarius Need, Rashad Fenton, uh, Bashad Breeland, like, or Mike Hughes, just give me bodies and, and give me guys that fit our athletic profile and that can do the things that I want them to do on defense. And we can figure it out in the secondary. And so I think there's a lot of faith there with that. And then you invest a first round pick in a cornerback and you're like, okay, we're going to get the most out of this guy. And we already have Sneed and Fenton who are nice players. You like what they can do. They could still even get better. And so I just think there's a lot of faith in spags from Brett Veach, knowing that he's going to be able to accomplish whatever they want to do in that secondary. Yeah. Uh, over the weekend, Another move came down, Steve. This is why you, while you're eating gumbo on the Bayou, wrestling Gators down in New Orleans, Melvin Ingram goes to Miami, and pretty disappointing. I, I think consensus was that we would have all liked to see Melvin Ingram back with the Chiefs. He signed a one-year deal worth five million dollars. Probably was more than what the Chiefs were willing to offer. Uh, and he goes and, and joins Tyreek down in Miami because of that UFA tag. The Chiefs could be due for what would be a compensatory pick now in 2023. I'm a little disappointed with this one. I don't know if I would have paid $5 million either. I do think you have some interesting younger players at defensive end. And uh, yes, I think the defensive line as a whole certainly played better with Ingram uh, added to it from the trade with the Pittsburgh Steelers. It, it was in a sense, night and day last year once Ingram joined the team. And uh, it was more than the box score. If you really look at the box score, he, he didn't make his mark there. It was just how he affected the whole line. But I, I think it can be replicated by some of these young guys. I think they really believe in Karloftis. And then you have some other interesting players like a Mike Dana. And what is Josh Kando maybe now that he's healthy in year two? Can you start to lean into some of – that youth and, and Malik Herring is interesting. And so I think the Chiefs had a certain price point, didn't work out. Now they might get a pick back and, and Ingram is with the Dolphins. I, I do think, think there are some remaining interesting defensive ends on the market, but it, it just appears that Brett Veach is not going to invest a lot, even for some of these veterans. Yeah, and there are still some interesting candidates out there, like a, a Jadavian Clowney. I, yep. I think I would be interested in him joining the Chiefs and seeing what he's still got. And he's coming off a strong season. I know he was on the other side of Miles Garrett last year, but I'd like to see what he could do for them because I still think they need a veteran presence there. I don't know how much faith I, I have in Joshua Kando or Mike Dana. Like at least with Dana, we we know what he is. He's a rotational pass rusher. He, he's not mm -hmm. really an every down guy. I, I know our guys at Arrowhead pride are really high on Malik Herring and he's going to be an interesting training camp story to keep an eye on, but I, I'd still like to see another veteran player there. I does Dolphins general manager, Chris Greer, like, is it just his goal now to swipe players that the Kansas city chiefs want to want to resign? <laughs> Cause it feels like that's just what the dolphins have been doing for the last two years. And it's really annoying, but I, I don't blame Melvin Ingram. It seemed like he was never necessarily sold on like being in Kansas city long-term. Like he signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers when the chiefs were really interested. Then they trade for him. So it was really kind of out of his hands that he wound up in Kansas city in the first place. And he's an aging veteran player who doesn't want to go to OTAs, doesn't want to go to mini camps, probably doesn't want to go to training camps. Like he just wants to show up and play. And Miami's a pretty cool place to live. So I don't really blame Melvin Ingram for wanting to sign with the Dolphins. No, I, I don't. And I do think this isn't done. I do think one of these veterans will 
end up with the Chiefs, whether it be Clowney, who you mentioned, JPP, who had ties to the Chiefs, is still out there. Carlos Dunlap, at 33, had eight and a half sacks last year and 21 pressures. You you put him in the mix. I think he's interesting as well. So maybe the Chiefs don't end up with Ingram, but I, I think you'll have an Ingram-type player that they identify, they come to an agreement. As you alluded to, Steve, one of these veteran guys essentially says, I, I'm not coming to OTs, <laughs> and they sign maybe after what would be mandatory minicamp. Uh, you've seen that trend as recent years have gone on where they just don't want to participate in that, and, and who could blame them? They, they've been in the league for, what, 10 years, a lot of these guys, and they don't want to come until regular training camp, and so yeah. whatever, you can understand that. They know how to get in shape at this point. Like, they know how to get in shape <laughs> yes, they know. in the NFL season. They're like, I don't need to do all that stuff. Leave me alone. Without coaches yelling at them. Yeah. Uh, I'm, working, I'm working out down in Miami. I'm not coming to Kansas City for OTAs. Well, the thing that you saw last year was Ingram. He comes in the middle of the year. It just is a lot easier, it seems, for an edge rusher to come in and have an immediate impact than for what would be you know, when you trade for a wide receiver at the deadline. The Chiefs almost can't do that. I, we 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 saw the experiment of Josh Gordon, who, look, he looked a little slower, of course, but he still had the size, and he, he scored a touchdown. I think there was a learning curve when it came to the playbook that, you know, he just couldn't grasp. I, I'm I'm just about giving up hope on, on a Josh Gordon, but I, I think it is intriguing for a, him to have a full offseason and just to see what you have there. But <clears throat> what I'm saying is, you could bring in a defensive end for training camp, maybe in the middle of training camp, and I think he would be fine to play week one more so than really trying to drop the Andy Reid playbook on one of what would be like these skill position players. Uh, doesn't seem to work out in, in that sense. So, like I said, I, I don't know which way do they go. Uh, I don't think they're done at defensive end. That would be my conclusion here when it comes to adding to the room. Other news points, Steve, here. Creed Humphrey was named to... Pro Football Focus's top 25 under 25 list. What was interesting about this is Humphrey comes in at 16. Not on the list were Nick Bolton and Trey Smith. Is that a problem for you? No. They played one year, and I I, I don't know off the top of my head what Nick Bolton's like final PFF rating was, but early in the season, I would imagine it probably wasn't very good. So he got significantly better as the season went on, as he learned and got more comfortable in the NFL. So I think that's fine. Trey Smith, while he probably should be there, there's a lot of really good guards right now in the NFL. Um, so I, I don't think that it, it's that big of a surprise. Like, He's going to be a really good player for a really long time, but they've all got one year under their belt. So I don't think we should be mad about any of this stuff. I also think there was some name power on this list. Like I know PFF grades everybody, but number 25, for example, you're, you're doing a 25 under 25 list. The number 25 player was cornerback Trevon, Trevon Diggs. The number 24 player was tight end Kyle Pitts, linebacker Devin White. I just don't know how known like Nick Bolton and Trey Smith are. Creed Humphrey, I think stemming from... 610 sports radio sort of been sort of became last year the face for like offensive line respect and i think a lot of people not in kansas city know simply know who creed humphrey is and so i think that always helps with the, with a list like this and you know you see the top of the list it's nick bosa and justin herbert and jonathan taylor 
there's only 25 spots. So I, I think if you're going to put anyone on it, I I probably even lead Bolton, who led the Chiefs by 30 tackles as a rotational player before I would maybe even put Smith. But I'm not going to lose sleep over the fact that these guys weren't included. I, I think it's a good thing for Creed Humphrey. Uh, and I think, you know, it adds a challenge, not that I don't, Nick Bolton or Trey Smith necessarily gives a damn about this list, but it adds a challenge to maybe gain some of that respect that Humphrey has earned through his first year. Well, 25 under 25, the fact that they put any center on the list is impressive. So like that says everything you need to know about how good Creed Humphrey was as a rookie. Like Trey Smith was fantastic too, and he's going to get the recognition that he deserves at some point. But yeah, it's guard on the offensive line in the NFL is generally a faceless position outside of teams fan bases. Like there's not a lot of people walking around the world who could see Trey Smith on the street and just be like, Oh, that's Trey Smith guard for the Kansas City chiefs. But most <laughs> chiefs fans would, right? Yeah, of course. No, I, I think he's really become one of these fan favorites. And if you just look at the right side of the line and include Creed Humphrey uh, as the center, you could be looking at a line, Steve, of a 22-year-old Creed Humphrey, a 22-year-old Trey Smith, and then you have Darian Kennard, who will be fighting for position, and he is also 22. Not so bad for your center to your potential right tackle, all being the age of 22 uh, and, and effective. Again, Kennard is going to have to fight off Wiley if that is to be, but Impressive. I mean, we've said it a thousand times now, but impressive by Brett Beach to really turn the offensive line around, especially with how young some of these guys yeah, are. If, if Kennard pans out as the right tackle and like, you know, everybody's circulating that same picture of him where it's just like, yeah, that's how you want your right tackle to look like. Just like he's just a nasty dude who's ready to just lay people out like the Chiefs offensive line. <laughs> could be ridiculous and yeah they're young and cheap it, it could be absolutely insane the protection that Patrick Mahomes has this season next piece of news I, it wouldn't be an editor show if we didn't talk about wide receiver Justin Ross who is just taking the offseason by storm in Kansas City more attention to this UDFA than it seems like Sky Moore at this point he is the Clemson product we all know the story a thousand yards as a freshman about 800 yards as a sophomore misses 2020 because of spinal surgery gets 2021 cut short because of a foot surgery Dabo Sweeney the coach of Clemson I don't know why people pronounce it it's Swinney but a lot of people say Sweeney Sweeney as you know Steve is spelt with an e anyway head coach of Clemson has been there was Justin Ross's college coach and he was he said this last week talking in with ClemsonSports.com's Matt Connolly. I knew Ross could be anywhere from fourth round to free agent. I didn't know that only four teams actually cleared him medically. That's a pretty small group. He's super excited about the opportunity he has. If he stays healthy, he belongs, and the rest will take care of itself. So the college coach defending his wide receiver. I think he broke some news there. It's intriguing to me that only four NFL teams were comfortable with, with signing him medically. That means that X amount of teams in the league gave him a physical and a lot of them said we're just taking him off our board, but four teams, uh, including the chiefs quite obviously were interested. Uh, Sweeney continued. I mean, he's Justin Ross. There's no questions about Justin Ross when it comes to playing football, but there's obvious questions when it comes to, okay, where is he health wise? He broke his foot. Obviously he missed all that time with surgical procedures in his neck and back area. He'll do just fine. 
if the good Lord keeps him healthy, football will come easy for him. Sweeney also said that he could be the greatest free agent ever. So you get the red flag of only four teams interested, followed by him saying that he could be the greatest free agent ever. <laughs> Which is it? What, how, what, what do we think about this? I well, I appreciate Dabo at least hyping him up. And we've talked about this a ton. Like Justin Ross is going to be another training camp storyline. Like he's going to be a guy I feel like even more than Sky Moore when fans get out there to that first open practice in St. Joe. Like everybody's going to be paying attention to Justin Ross just because of what we think he can be based on like what he was as a freshman at Clemson. I don't think it's crazy that only four teams cleared him medically. I would think that it would have been more, but that might have more to do with the foot injury. And you mentioned it, uh, it rookie mini camp, like he'd look kind of slow. Like he, he's still working his way back and trying to get healthy. And so that might've been part of it. And, you know, different medical staffs have different ways of evaluating things. But one thing we know for sure about the Kansas city chiefs is their medical staff is one of the best in the NFL. It's one of the most like highly regarded staffs in the NFL. So if they think he's healthy enough to play and compete for a roster spot, I'm going to buy into that. And I have to hope that the slowness that we were seeing as he's at these rookie practices is only going to get better as he gets healthier and healthier. So I have faith in Justin Ross. I really want him to be really good, and I, I want him to be the greatest undrafted free agent of all time. That would be incredible. Yeah, it would be great. He's six feet and 205. My point has been, and this was just a first look, I'll, I'll reiterate, he looked a little slow, and I don't think he's going to play special teams. So he's not even really looking at that sixth wide receiver spot. He's looking at that fifth one, and I just think he's going to have to show more OTAs and the voluntary workouts start a week from today. I'll be out there. We get one media look per week so i anticipate getting another look at justin ross we'll see if it looks better i already took some heat on my tweet when i said he had a quiet camp there are some passionate justin ross chiefs fans out there he's definitely the new noah gray of last year of needing to check this guy out and and the hype train is is sort of left the station already you're right would you rather Josh Gordon or Cornell Powell make the roster <laughs> over Justin Ross? Like I, I would rather Justin Ross make the roster over both these guys. So we can see what he has because, you know, Josh Gordon, maybe after a year in the offense and yeah, he did. It took him some time to pick up the playbook and he obviously was kind of struggling with that last season. Maybe he does have, is better and has something more in the tank, but I would much rather take the upside of the young wide receiver who has a chip on his shoulder, who wants to prove something, who wants to say, I should have been a top five pick. Like, look at what I did as a true freshman at Clemson and I can get back there. Just give me a chance. I'd rather bet on that guy. One of the other reporters, when Justin Ross came to the podium during rookie camp, asked him, did Cornell Powell recruit you to the chiefs? And I, I'm, I'm kind of smiling because I'm like, Cornell Powell doesn't want the Chiefs to have any other receivers. If he's going to have any chance yeah. to make the roster, he doesn't want any from Clemson. He doesn't want any from his high school team. He doesn't want any of his best friends. Anyone that plays receiver, he's going to have to have not on, on the roster. You know, you talk about uphill battles. Cornell Powell did not look good at training camp, spent the year on the practice squad. I think they're giving him another shot here just because, and this is a, a sad reminder, like Brett Feach has killed it. Cornell Powell was a fifth rounder. I mean, yeah. Very, 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 very disappointing. And I would tend to think that this is the final stretch of 
Cornell Powell's Chiefs career. He might bounce around from a few practice squads with other teams taking a look, but I, I think this was just a, a very, very clear miss. Yeah, I think we can guarantee that Cornell Powell and Corey Coleman won't be on this roster. I, I would Oscar. agree. I would agree. Josh Gordon is interesting. Therese Fountain. Yeah, I, I like Therese Fountain's chances because he plays special teams, right? Yeah, like he's a Tobe guy. He's a Dave Tobe guy. It's a, it's a less talked about point, but there's a big difference between what would be like the fifth wide receiver spot where you're contributing to the offense in some regard and that sixth spot where you, you, you sort of have to play teams. Uh, Marcus Kemp is another guy that, that comes to mind. All right, we are halfway through the news. We'll take a quick break. We'll finish up the news, and we'll talk about our Arrowhead Pride Editor Show Twitter poll of the day. Stay with us right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney. We have Steve Serta filling in for John Dixon, who is trailering around today. We know he's a big trailer man. And this came out as the week continued, a little bit of an older story uh, a few days ago. But Marquez Valdez-Scantling joined Jim Rome, and uh, this was the quote, the opportunity within itself to go out and be a great playmaker, that drew him to the Chiefs. Um, MBS continued. Obviously, I had that opportunity anywhere I went, but I think this one was a better fit for me. Some things they do offensively were appealing, and a quarterback like Pat Mahomes is going to be here for a long time was also appealing. So those two things, and then getting here and meeting everybody, it seemed like a good fit. It seemed like home. And then Valdez Scantling also said, Coach Reed's been doing it for a long time, and Eric Bieniemy is one of the best offensive coaches that you can have around. Between those two guys, their resumes speak for themselves what they've been able to do for guys and competing for a championship is a huge thing as well. They've been to a couple of them. And I think there, that was a huge factor in my decision-making. This is a small point. It does seem a little bit of a, a PR answer on, on Jim Rome, of course, raving about the team, but I, I do think there's something to MVS and feeling like maybe the green Bay Packers didn't get the most out of them. And if any player would feel that way, Steve, I think coming to Andy Reed, is an answer for you in the sense that if I believe I can do more for this offense, Andy Reid is going to find a way. And, and we've seen it with a lot of players over the years. Yeah. Well, and I think as an individual in the green Bay Packers offense, I think there's a lot of guys who might feel like that. Cause we saw over and over again, over the last several years, like if Aaron Rodgers doesn't trust you, 
he'll just throw to Devontae Adams 15 times a game. Like right. he just won't, he just won't even look your way. And Rodgers did that years, year after year after year. So there probably is something to like tr- some truth to him feeling like I would get open and he wouldn't even be looking at me. <laughs> and, 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 you know, Patrick Mahomes likes to spread the ball around. And we saw last year, Mahomes got a, a little stuck in that too, where it was Kelsey Hill. It, it, and then he, and, nobody else because he he didn't have faith in their pass catchers a lot but really over his career Mahomes has done a really good job of spreading the ball around and and, you know getting outside the pocket and making those plays so if you have the opportunity to do that the off schedule stuff I I think is where MVS could have a potential to to make a huge mark on this offense because he's got so much speed to just get open downfield when Pat breaks the pocket it's just okay get open and he's got the speed to separate that way. So I think he can make a difference there. And yeah, Andy Reid's going to find ways to get him involved in the offense because he's going to bring along, uh, you know, Justin Ross, if he winds up having an impact as a rookie and, and sky Moore, we've seen Andy, Andy Reid with these rookie wide receivers. Like he brings them along slow. They brought Tyree kill along slow a, as a rookie. So they're not going to be day one starters right away. So MVS is going to have plenty of opportunity to make an impact here. I, I think, he is a possible Tyreek replacement. I also think like, you know, you, you watch these national games and Aaron Rodgers gets a lot of credit for his deep ball and rightfully so it's one of the best in, in the game, but I don't know. I I've watched enough Packers games to see Aaron Rodgers miss MVS deep a lot. I mean, how many times, you know, you see MVS streaking down the field and it's an underthrow, it's an overthrow, it's out of bounds or something. I, I think there might have been some slight frustration there. And don't kill me here. I'm just remembering from like the Packers games that I've watched over the past few years. I wonder if he is looking forward to maybe finding that deep ball rapport with Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is another guy who quite obviously has one of the better deep balls in the game. And so uh, you wonder if Andy Reid could make the most out of MVS that maybe wasn't happening in, in Green Bay. He's, he's a very fast player and he, and he is a bigger target than Tyree Kill. So uh, let's see if if that translates. I I think you're going to find a lot about the or you're going to find out a lot about Andy Reid and how much he matters because you know he's taken a few guys this year. Of course, you still have Travis Kelsey, which is is the ultimate advantage. But there's a few guys that maybe weren't made the most of with Juju Smith Schuster coming over and and now MVS and uh, you know now that McCole Hardman. And there is no Tyree kill. Could he do do even more with McCall Hardman? It's going to be something I think to look back on at the end of the year and be like, see, this is why Andy Reid deserves all that respect. It wasn't just Tyreek and Travis over the years. He he could do this with anyone. And and Patrick plays into that as well. Oh yeah, I think there is something to that, like a, a level of comfort that they kind of fell into with Tyreek mm-hmm. Hill and Travis yeah. Kelsey and, and Patrick Mahomes, where. You know, you could always rely on, okay, Pat's just going to go make a play. Tyree Kill is going to get open. Travis Kelsey is going to be open over the middle. And I do think there is like a level of complacency, even if it's like subconscious that you kind of fall into when you're that good for that long. And so I do think we're going to get the best Andy Reid this year. Like Andy Reid is going to be having a lot of fun this year, dialing things up and saying like, I got to get more creative. Those bubble screens, they're back, baby. Like we're going <laughs> to, we're going to get these guys into space with short, quick passes. And we're going to have fun doing all of that stuff. 
And there's no players that you're really going to check the box score and be like, how much do they touch the football other than Travis Kelsey? And if you're winning, that becomes a non-factor. I mean, fans only start to check that stuff if you see a loss. Oh, the Chiefs lost? Why did Kelsey only have two targets then? And I think that plays into the hand of Andy Reid, the fact that it can be anyone on any given week, and you don't know who he's going to run the offense through that week when it comes to a secondary guy behind Travis Kelsey. And I I think there is a a world that gives you an odd advantage. And it's weird to talk about because, of course, you'd rather have Tyreek Hill on the team. That's a no-brainer. But there is something intriguing about it being any given pass catcher in any given week. All right, going to the other side of the football, Brett Feach essentially admitted this week that the Chiefs were always interested in a first-round cornerback. I've joked on this show before, for the second year in a row, we just – missed what they were targeting most last year was a linebacker and Nick Bolton, who they selected with their first pick in the second round. Remember they didn't have a first rounder and they ended up going in and getting the center with the the other pick. But this is what Brett Beach said to pro football talk. We wanted to address the cornerback position. We thought there were some teams like Tennessee and Buffalo that would go to corner. We thought the defensive end group, the numbers played in our favor. Whereas with corners during a process, we had a couple of guys and we thought it would be iffy that they would get to 29. So we were kind of committed to moving up uh, to get a corner the whole time. He reiterated that they weren't going to make a major move up because they wanted to have this uh, thing they were calling selective aggression, which they played perfectly in uh, the draft. But I, I think the, the more that you hear from Brad Beach, the, the more they feel like they got one of the best corners on their board. And that's why they, they moved up ahead of the Buffalo Bills to go get him in that trade with uh, the New England Patriots. And there was another part to this, too, and I'll, I'll lump these two things together. The Buffalo Bills came out with a, a draft room video this week that essentially showed the shock in the room of Kansas City trading in front of them to take Trent McDuffie. And it does seem like the Chiefs really believed that the Bills liked McDuffie enough to take him. And the Bills, right after, two picks later, they had to trade up to make sure that they could get a cornerback themselves, and they take Florida's Kair Elam. And I've made the point here that these two guys will now be forever connected, in a sense, because I think Chiefs fans and, and Bills fans, and even though the Bengals won the AFC title, I would, I would think that they still consider each other the non-division rival of the moment right now. But... Elam and, and McDuffie, I think, are going to be compared forever here because the Chiefs did choose him and traded in front of Buffalo to choose him uh, over who the Buffalo Bills selected. Yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be, at least for Chiefs fans, and I don't know, I don't think nationally this is really a thing, but like McCall Hardman, DK Metcalf thing, like I, I think right. that's mostly just a Chiefs right. fan thing. Yes. But if Kyrie Elam winds up being like a lockdown corner and Trent McDuffie struggles, Chiefs fans are always going to point to that. And like they traded up for him and decided to go up and, and grab him. But that because it's the first round and because these are, you know, arguably the two top teams in the AFC, that's going to be a talking point. Like, especially right. if both these guys are playing lights out, is rookies going to say, oh, Chiefs jumped ahead, Bills wanted McDuffie and said they got Kyrie Elam, but both players are really working out. Like, it is totally going to be a talking point. I wish 
Brett Veach would just tweet out his draft sheet like Jerry Jones did, <laughs> just like flash it to the media. And then people <laughs> zoomed in and, and dissected it and were able to put the full list together because the way he's talking about it, it sounds like McDuffie was truly like the number one player left on their board. And you know, we talked about Jermaine Johnson being a guy that was supposed to go way higher than than we initially thought he would. And then he obviously fell and he was on the board and the Chiefs said, no, we'd still rather have McDuffie. We're trading up for him, not for Jermaine Johnson. So you got to believe that Brett Veach is telling the truth. Like he was our number one guy left available. What remains fascinating about Veach is he in his pre-draft presser every year essentially tells the plan what the plan is. At, at one point, I believe in the pre-draft press, presser, he says, we're not going to trade up a massive trade, but who knows? You get to 19, 20, and I think he even said 21, and I could foresee a scenario there. So uh, I, I don't know if I'm these other teams in the league. I would pay more attention to that, and and maybe uh, Brett could stand to keep some something closer to his vest, but he, he usually spits out the truth, which obviously in the, in the media we respect that, but the, the way it played out, uh, Buffalo in this video, which I'm surprised they released because they looked almost a little silly. If you really watch the video, we have it up on arrowheadpride.com right now where they're stunned that the Chiefs make this move. And, it, and it's like they kind of said that they would. But yeah. I think what, what it was is we and I was on, on I was in this, too. So I'll admit I was wrong. I thought that they would be trading up in that window to go get a receiver ahead of the Green Bay Packers. I, I never thought, oh, cornerback over the Buffalo Bills. Uh, but they clearly did, and they were right because the Buffalo Bills, if you watch this video, became a little bit nervous and had to trade, I, I believe it was with the Ravens, to make sure that they got a cornerback that was even on their board or, or they liked. So uh, really interesting to see some of these moments. And uh, again, what it means uh, for this AFC rivalry is fans, I think on both sides, are going to be comparing both of these players and we'll see. The Chiefs play the Buffalo Bills during the regular season. So if you're looking forward to this cornerback off, week six, Sunday, October 16th, CBS, 325. Uh, that'll be taking place, Steve, at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. And speaking of marketing, the new year, new flag is out. Have you seen the flag, Steve? I have. I, I checked it out this morning. Do you have any hot takes on the Chiefs kingdom flag for this year? Not really without uh, really having any frame of reference as to what the flags look like in the past because okay. I'm not a big flag guy, uh, but I think it looks fine. I'd like it. I'd, I'd rock that. It's pretty clean. Chiefs is huge. I mean, the the letters of Chiefs is is a lot bigger. It says Chiefs kingdom. You'll never get get better than the Super Bowl champion flag, of course. There's a pre-sale right now at Chiefs.com. Uh, it has what looks to be like yellow and white trim to it. It's a nice-looking flag. These flags go crazy. They make a lot of money for Ronald McDonald's house, and I anticipate this one to do well. It's a little bit different-looking than in previous years. Steve, I don't know why I asked for your take since you, you've not seen any of the previous flags. I've um, probably seen them. I just don't recall what any of them looks like. like I never what, had an opinion what on, I, on a Chiefs flag. Before. What I would say on, on this flag is there's just like a lot more going on this year than in previous years. And and I like it. I mean, I'm not saying I don't like it. It's just in case uh, Jordan Geisler, who's a, a friend of Arrowhead Pride and, and my old colleague from the Chiefs is listening. Uh, Jordan, by the way, was just promoted to creative director and that means they they must have liked the flag in the building. I'm sure that uh, they were they were very happy with it. He he designs the flag every year, and so 
Uh, I like it. Go out and get it. And it all goes to a good cause. Ronald McDonald House, the pre-sales ongoing. And then the rest of them get sold at, at McDonald's that, that first Red Friday leading into what will be Chiefs and Arizona Cardinals. Uh, very exciting stuff. Another um, mini camp tryout signing, just to touch on very quickly. This was like the Virginia guard, Chris Glazer, but it was University uh, of Toledo offensive tackle. Uh, Vitaly German, not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly. He's six feet four, 310 pounds, uh, a native of Rochester, New York. I think it's just another player that that fits uh, as far as a tackle. Now you have 15 offensive linemen to do all these camps and you have three teams. So the first and second team can take breaks and you never know. You know, there's always these lottery tickets that may not necessarily make the 53 this year, but they could be on the practice squad. We've seen offensive line injuries, yada, yada. That's been a, a story of the Chiefs in recent years. So the more depth, I think, the better. Not a ton of ten- takes on this, but I just wanted to mention that there is another offensive tackle in the mix. With the with the health of Lucas Niang too, just keep just keep throwing bodies in the camp, and we'll see. Yeah, I I've said this before, but I I think Lucas Niang will be a pup candidate. You know, I I constantly have these hits where I'm going on, and I'm I'm saying, well, it's really Wiley versus Kennard, and I, you know, I get the Lucas Niang text or tweet, and I I'm not forgetting about Lucas Niang. I just think with the rehab and the timeline and Brett Veach saying he might be ready at the end of training camp might be ready at the end of training camp means he might be ready to take the field at that point. I think they're just going to shut him down and, and have him in that PUP rehab. Let's get you back into shape. And then we'll see where it goes with Niang. I, you know, I'm with that in mind, it, it becomes a week seven or week eight thing. And then he only enters the lineup. If you have an injury or one of these guys yeah. like a canard or Wiley is struggling or they're both struggling and, they just want to try anything different. So at least for 2022, what I'd tell you is I just believe it to be an uphill road for Niang. Yeah. So. Re- ready at the end of training camp means he's not going to be football ready. It just means he's healthy enough to get back on the practice field. Right. And they need to get in football shape and he sort of needs to get his wind back under him. If, if you want to describe it as such. So I'm just not optimistic that Niang is a reasonable suit suitor for right tackle week one i just i just don't think it's the case my chief's twitter poll got some hate today steve (laughs) (laughs) i gotta tell you i i tweeted out which chief's position concerns you the most the options i gave were cornerback edge rusher right tackle which we just just talked about a little bit and other three thousand votes uh as of this moment 81.6 percent for edge rusher only 10 percent for cornerback, 3% for right tackle, 4.2% for other. And we talked about the options the, the Chiefs might have still on the market at defensive end. The hate that I got from the tweets was that this was too obvious a question to put out there. <laughs> Here's Let me read some of the comments for you. Was this poll even necessary? Defensive end. The mass has got this one right. This is obvious. Uh, so I, I, I guess maybe I shouldn't have tweeted it out. Uh, the defensive so... end, the defensive ends right now, of course, are Frank Clark and George Karloftis, Josh Kando, Mike Dana, Malik Herring, uh, Austin Edwards, and then Kahinde Ginny Hassan. That's the international player coming over here. Um, so there's some intriguing names there, but it does feel like it is missing a veteran. I'm going to push back on the pushback. On that <laughs> poll, all right. Sometimes you have to ask the obvious questions because the point of a poll 
is to pull the audience. So we want to know where you guys are at. We can't speak for you guys. Right. And without that poll, we would have had no idea that 84% <laughs> of you think the edge is still the problem. Yeah, I, I, I am sometimes surprised. I expected that this would be the edge rusher. The edge rusher would win the poll. I didn't expect it by this margin. I mean, it is very, very clearly where fans would like to see some money invested. I think from the sheer quantity, fans are okay with the cornerback position. And if I think you asked people at the beginning of the offseason where their concerns would be, and they knew Ward was not going to be with the team anymore because he was going to price himself out. I, I think cornerback would have gotten much more of the vote. But I think with McDuffie and and you see them go and take two cornerbacks late and a lot of undrafted free agents there. I think it's a quantity thing. So I think fans are okay. Not being at all concerned with right tackle is interesting because analytics have told you over the years that it, it's become as important. Uh, it's become as important as left tackle, but fans are, are okay with Andrew Wiley or Darian Kennard quite obviously. And so uh, this is the the main concern. So we'll, We'll see if the Chiefs go out and get a defensive end. We talked about some of the names out there. And just to reiterate from the first half of the podcast, I, I think they do eventually bring in another veteran. It just is who will that be? And I don't think that move will come until we get past what is maybe June 15th, June 16th, when we get out of this offseason program. So Yeah, I, I do think they are spot on. Like, it is the edge. Like, yeah, we've talked about it plenty. They need another veteran guy there because – as much as I like George Karloftis, you have to temper expectations for him as a rookie. Like, even if you look at some of the most elite pass rushers in the NFL and like look at their rookie numbers, it's like his ceiling is probably like six sacks, and that might be optimistic a as a rookie. And then you're, we, I don't think we've spent enough time talking about Frank Clark, like, like when what we need out of Frank Clark this upcoming season, because. He's got to be a veteran presence who can help teach your young pass rushers and you still need him to be a playmaker. But I don't know that you can bank on Frank Clark having more than like seven, yeah. eight sacks. And well, that's probably being optimistic. So it's it, got to be edge. It's Frank Clark who misses a handful of games each year because of sickness or, or injury to some extent. And George Karloftis, who is a rookie and you're putting, all of your outside quarterback pressure on on the shoulders of these guys. And so you're right. It, it When you say it out loud, it's a little scarier. You really need Herring to come through or Mike Dana to show you a little bit more or Josh Kano to be something. It, it does just truly seem like there's one, uh, they're one man short there. And I do think they address it. I, I just can't see this being the final room going into what will be regular training camp. So we're talking about late July, early August. Steve, some broadcast news from Andrew Marchand of the New York Post. Dan Orlovsky will call NFL games with Steve Levy and Lewis Riddick for ESPN. Three games next next year, five games the, the year following that. I think it's a pretty good move. I'm not I'm not the hugest, biggest Orlovsky man, but I think he's better than Brian Greasy in that team. That that's my quick hot take on that. Yeah. I mean, he's gotten a lot better. It on television and he's probably better at the instant reaction than Brian Greasy is. Brian Greasy is just boring. And I'm just like, all right, Brian, I, I could just mute you. And I I'd have a, I'd have a lesser chance of falling asleep. Dan Orlovsky pre NFL live would answer Steve's text. How's that going now, Steve? 
he doesn't answer my texts anymore. He's too, <laughs> he's too big for Arrowhead Pride. Um, he did used to answer my texts. Uh, I've spoken to him before, had him on a show before, um, but he's too big for us now. It's understandable. I, I know once you get once you get those big ESPN dollars, they work you to exhaustion. So they, I'm sure he's very busy. They they do use him quite a bit, and sometimes it's early in the morning, and we know that that show doesn't start till. 3 p.m. Central, so that that is that is good. But we miss you, Dan. We miss you here at Arrowhead Pride. So hopefully we get to talk to you at some point soon about the Kansas City Chiefs. All right. Well, Steve, I thought you did. I would say like a a B plus A minus type <laughs> of job filling in for John Dixon, as that reviewer said. There's there's no replacing uh, the true boomer that is uh, John Dixon. Uh, but uh, we missed him. We missed Dan. But Steve, I like again. I thought you did a good job. So thank you for. Filling in. If you like the Arrowhead Pride editor show, if you like the Arrowhead Pride podcast network, as always, please leave a rating and a review. We will read it on the show, especially if it's five stars. And you can ask a question that we'll discuss at the top of the show. So we encourage you to do that. For Steve Serta, I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you again for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride editor show. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.